Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shop the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And today we are rounding up all of the latest from the Cincinnati Western Southern Open in New York here on semi-finals day at Flushing Meadows. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Now, I say semi-finals day because this was actually meant to be finals day with the US Open kind of waiting in, waiting in the wings for a Monday start. But uh, we're not. Um, we'll get on to that in a sec because it is kind of a, a big issue and a big kind of talking point, I think, from the, the week, particularly off court as well and all that's kind of going on in you know, the United States at the moment. But but let's just kind of focus on the tennis to begin with, Kim, because the level of competition we've seen over the last you know week or so, it's been... It's been great. And I think kind of just seeing, you know, the men and women together in a tournament of this kind of stature and prestige. It's just it's just so uh, it's just so energizing to see, you know, tennis back on a on a court at this level, you know, from the, the fan view. Yeah, definitely. I think for me as a fan, you know, I'm so much more invested when there's like actually something at stake. You know, I I enjoyed all the <laughs> exhibitions, not going to lie, like Battle of the Brits was great. But to be fighting for, you know, a Master Series trophy and, you know, to be a week before a Grand Slam, like everyone's looking at, you know, who's in form, who's going to be like danger, um, danger in the draw, you know, come next week like this is this is what it's all about as a tennis fan so we have seen some mm. great stuff going on but um yeah this was supposed to be our, our like finals uh kind of roundup review of the tournament but uh the the pausing in in play on thursday has put uh put a stop to that so we are still at the semi-final stage as we're recording this um let's start there joel because we you know we can't not talk about it obviously i have to say um i wasn't really like following the news that much <laughs> so when i turned on my live scores app i was like pause in play what's that um you know like in the morning on thursday and i was like, oh they must just be like debating the scheduling or there's rain or something i don't know um but yeah uh, for those who don't know um the the tournament organizers they joined in with what was going on with a lot of other sports um and you know stopping play because of the shoot uh, the shooting um in Wisconsin of Jacob Blake by the police um i mean <laughs> Naomi Osaka instigated this of course she pulled out of her semi-final and then the western and southern open organizers kind of said okay yes we'll be we'll be suspending play um in line with you know the other sports like the NBA in America. I mean, what do you make of all this, Joe? It's, it's, it's a big statement. It's a big, uh, big decision to make by those organizers. Big, big move by Osaka as well. 
I think the timing for me is the most interesting thing because I think, you know, Osaka, you know, has been in the news recently about, you know, she's like the most, you know, the highest paid uh, women's athlete, uh, you know, by earnings, I think last year. And, you know, she's got this platform, uh, you know, to really kind of do, you know, do good in the world. And, you know, it's, we know we're not, we don't, we're not talking about her just as a, you know, brilliant player on the court. It's also kind of what she kind of stands for off the court as well. And, you know, I think over lockdown, we have seen, you know, players kind of join in, particularly with the, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, we saw kind of Coco Goff kind of give that, um, you know, that impromptu speech to, you know, a, mm. you know, a big, a big crowd. And, uh, you know, I think it's, it's almost kind of following on from that. But I think the statement, you know, the statement is bigger here because the, the timing of it and the fact that, you know, Osaka came out and kind of said, look, I'm not going to play my semi-final in protest before kind of the, you know, the tour kind of made a, a, a decision. I think it just showed her, you know, I think it, I think that timing was interesting because it it brought I think a level of disruption that was needed to kind of prick up the ears of the the tennis world to kind of realize we you know this is a collective movement we need to do um you know something about it and I think it's you know I think you look at someone like Kosaka it's it's really impressive I think from her you know for her to kind of come out and kind of you know lead the way and kind of show you know some leadership here because you know, I think with, you know, tennis and, you know, almost kind of playing in a, a bubble, I think there's almost kind of a, you know, a worry that, you know, you almost kind of play it without the sort of realisation of kind of what is, you know, going on around you. Um, and I think it, it was great to see someone like Osaka almost kind of break that bubble and be like, hey, you know, there are things going on outside of the world that we need to be, you know, in tune with. And, you know, I really commend her for kind of, you know, coming out and, and making that sort of statement. Yeah, it's it's a different sort of bubble, isn't it, to the coronavirus bubble. It's, I mean, tennis is very much a white sport, you know, historically, uh, and even now, you know, it's it's dominated by, um, you know, it's, it's still a very white sport. And, and it's not really done, I would say, an awful lot, you know, globally to kind of stand against racial inequality. And I think, you know, Osaka said herself, you know, her pulling out of her match, she wasn't expecting that to sort of change the world or, you know, maybe do much materially. But if she could just, like she said, to get the conversation started, then that's what it's all about, getting people to notice, getting the the tennis world to kind of actually step up to the plate. Um, Because obviously a lot of maybe, you know, other sports in America have done more uh, for the Black Lives Matter movement than than tennis has so far. I mean, <laughs> you've got a feel for maybe, uh, I don't know, Elise Mertens was probably like, what is going on? You know, I, I'm through to the final. She, she's pulled yeah, out. And I then know. all of a sudden, <laughs> oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. We're, we're playing tomorrow. Or, you know, are we? Um, and then obviously Osaka's played that semi-final with Elise Mertens today uh, and, and won it. So... Uh, poor old Elise Mertens is uh, not going any further, but but yes, I mean, I think you know she's Osaka's using her platform for good. You know, she's she's one of the highest paid female athletes in the world, um, and you know she has a real following and and obviously lots of um, influence. So she's obviously using that for good for good use, and you know, full credit to her. Um, I, I I do feel like you know materially, this isn't really going to like change anything it, it's it is kind of like a I guess a token gesture I mean is it actually going to lead to any kind of real structural change within tennis you know if you look at tennis you know on its own as a sport is it going to kind of um other than you know this being a show of solidarity to what's going on at the moment like is it going to affect change within tennis itself is it going to make 
people really like open their eyes to kind of racial inequality within tennis. I think I think it, it as I think Osaka can I think the you know the best we can hope for is as as you said kind of starting the conversation. I think it shows you though that Osaka is a sort of player with that platform that she can break down barriers and you know she can kind of bridge that you know the that divide that's going on but you know I think it's great to kind of see as I said like tennis kind of being in tune like other sports in the US of kind of the you know the thing that is you know the situation that is going on at the moment because you know it's a it's a terrible situation you know sport needs to kind of recognize that tennis needs to recognize that and you know get you know get with the times and be kind of progressive and kind of dynamic about it and you know tennis as a sport hasn't always been you know the most dynamic and progressive when it comes to these you know sorts of issues you know for for example um you know at the Australian Open Martina Navratilova and, and John McEnroe held a you know a oh, banner out their mini protest <laughs> yeah to yes. you know to talk yeah. about you know they didn't want it to be called the Margaret Quarterine mm-hmm. and they wanted sure. um they wanted it to be, to be called the um the Google the Gulagong Arena and you know and it was like they had to come out and apologize for you know a statement like that so which is ridiculous that they sorry that it is ridiculous that they had to apologize for that I mean come on yeah but I mean it shows I think it just shows you that kind of like tennis you know does you know it isn't on the you know in some aspects it is on kind of the the, you know the forefront and the fact that you know um it, it kind of um you know it is progressive but I think you know things like that kind of show you actually it's a bit almost kind of like stuck in the mud at times and um you know I certainly hope that you know going into kind of the future we have you know the fact that we have players like Osaka Coco Goff as well you know mm. these are going to be players that are gonna be able to do things uh you know off the court and you know this was just kind of a sign of it and hey if this if the conversation starts here I think that's great and let's see let's see how it continues I know some people though um were questioning like whether the organizers of the tournament you know if it had been like next week for example and if we'd have been in, in another you know world and there would have been you know thousands of fans due to attend and it was kind of like like I don't know the final of the US Open or a busy like third round day where there's you know thousands of people due to attend and like loads of TV sponsorship and everything else at stake you know a whole drawer full of um, you know matches scheduled would would they have have paused play when they would have then had a nightmare probably scheduling for the rest of the tournament I don't think they would have joined in had it been something like that but with the amount of matches that were actually scheduled for yesterday and the fact that there were no fans a lot kind of less infrastructural change needed to happen they were probably like okay we can feasibly do this so it would have been interesting if you know it'd been another kind of situation um but you know that that wasn't the case i suppose so uh maybe we shouldn't even be considering that but you know it is interesting and and obviously you know there are other issues that perhaps tennis also needs to stand up to you know they have tournaments going on in other parts of the world where there are lots of abuses going on against certain groups and um i don't know it's like it goes back to like what role does sport play in society is it like there as a distraction from all the bad stuff that's happening in the world or is it is it there to be used as a channel for you know implementing change and progress in um society it, it depends on how people i guess it, what they expect from sport as a whole but um yeah it, it's given us a lot to talk about 
I think it has to be, you know, tennis has to be part of the, you know, has to be part of the conversation. You know, it's one of the, you know, biggest sports, you know, globally. And, you know, you see the kind of protests in the other, you know, in other sports, kind of like, you know, the NBA and mm. the, uh, the baseball as well, you know, I think tennis was absolutely right to kind of make a stand. And I think, I think there is credit due to the fact that, you know, I think, you know, all the governing bodies came together and kind of agreed, you know, on the, you know, the pause in play. Cause that was, you know, it was a dramatic moment because we've never really seen that before. I can't, I can't tell you any time before I've got on, you know, the ATP WTA live scores app and seen, you know, pause in play on the, on the schedule sheet. So, you know, I think it, it you know, it could be a landmark moment it's kind of looking back on it in the future. We're just going to have to, you know, see how de- it develops. I think one of the things that has come out of it in, in the kind of the fallout is, you know, the scheduling for today, which again has raised some, some eyebrows in terms of the, you know, the inequality and the dynamic between the, the men's tour and the, the women's tour, because, um, yeah, the women's semifinals, Kim, they were put on, you know, first on, first on court, side by side at the same time, two really good matches, um, between Osaka and Mertens and then Conta and Azarenka. Conta and Azarenka was on like, you know, one of the, you know, the, um, not on one of the the main courts. Um, whereas the, you know, the men's semifinals are, you know, they've got a, They've got a bit of a lie-in and, um, you know, they're going to be put on to, I think, on to Louis Armstrong, um, not side by side, one after the other. I mean, it, uh, again, it does raise questions. I saw Mura Troglu on, um, on Twitter ask, you know, this, he said point blank, this schedule needs explaining. And, you know, I kind of side with him because... Um, you know, we're trying to create a great platform for women's tennis and you're putting both matches, which were really high quality matches on at the, you know, the same time at the, you know, the very start of uh, the very start of the day. Can I just say that Joe Conter's been shunted to <laughs> a, a lower court for another semi-final? <laughs> Why is it always Joe? How unfair. And uh, now she's gone on. Do you think she was thinking that when she was uh <laughs> yeah. when she saw the schedule? It's like, it's like Von Drus- Von Drus- Von Drusova all yeah, over again. It's all over again. I know, and she had chances to win again. But um alas, uh, you know, you've got to play when you're scheduled and where you're scheduled. So I, I in the grand scheme of things it really doesn't matter when, you know, there's terrible um injustice going on in the world. But um but you would have thought Osaka, you would have thought Osaka would be put on the, you know, if you're going to open up Louis Armstrong, mm, yeah. Osaka, you know, given the, you know, what she's just done, you'd, 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 you'd probably put her front and center and, uh, you know, I would give her, I would have given her like almost kind of like an equal billing to the, you know, to the men. I understand it's probably very difficult to, to do that, but um, it was just a shame, I think, to kind of have both kind of women's semifinals played kind of side by side because they were they were really good they were really good matches yeah they're both you know top draw matches and um we'll discuss them in a bit because i think we'll we'll begin um with uh like the men's draw men's side of things uh, and kind of talk about what's what's happening with that um obviously Ryonich and Sitspas are on court at the moment um whilst we're recording this oh Ryonich has just won the first set Joel live update was it in a tie you. break yeah was surprise, it in a tie break oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean let, let, maybe let's talk about Ryonich first actually because you know um it, he's he's sort of emerged, hasn't he, uh, as as the as a player in form, and uh, which is nice to see because it's been a while since he's kind of been up there. Obviously, he had a long time out because of injury. 
I mean, he's he's unseeded, and that, and that is a you know horrible matchup for anyone who you know gets him uh, you know in, in the U.S. Open because um, he's got a you know he's got an absolute cannon of a serve. It looks to be in really good uh, nick at the moment, and he's playing you know he's playing really well and and winning and winning all the kind of uh, you know big points. I think you've got to share a thought though for Sissipas because I think this week he's literally played. All of all the people he's played have been like six foot seven um, <laughs> serving giants. I mean, he's playing Raonic at the moment. I think he was playing. Uh, well, he's played Kevin Anderson, Riley Apelka. Well, it gets him lots of practice against the big servers, doesn't it? So, uh, I mean, yeah, they've, they've both been progressing, you know, through quite nicely. Obviously, Raonic beat um, Dan Evans and then Andy Murray, so he's been, you know, knocking the Brits out. Um, very comfortable win over Andy. Um, which we'll get onto in just a second. But interestingly, Ryanich is also staying in a private house, just like uh, Novak is. So I think, you know, is is the private house the, the the thing to do? Because obviously Novak is 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 going very comfortably yeah. through the draw. I mean, no surprise there. But uh, maybe it's going to be either of them winning this tournament and, and obviously doing very well at the at the US Open. Although I mean, Raonic, he's, uh, he's got a new hairstyle as well. He's uh, sort of, <laughs> it's grown it out a bit, got a bit of a red, you know, headband going on. He's not cut it since uh, December, I think because of kind of being in lockdown and yeah, maybe just likes it long and maybe he's given him extra, extra superpowers. I don't know. Cause <laughs> um, you know, he, he has been, he has got a new look, but I think kind of the, all the components of his game are, are there at the moment and they're working, you know, they're all working in, in tandem with, with each other. And it all kind of, as I said, it all kind of starts with that serve and it's, it's such a booming serve and he's not really giving, he's not really giving much away on it at the moment. And, um, you know, he's going to be a, he's definitely going to be a, a threat and, uh, you know, a danger uh, going into, uh, you know, going into the US Open, long hair or short hair or whatever, you know, <laughs> It doesn't matter, but yeah, he's got a new look. But I think his game is, you know, is perfect for the the hard courts. And uh, yeah, I think you know, again with Sissipas as well, he's obviously come in. You know, he was he was doing pretty well before lockdown. I think he had won or got to the final at least. He got to the final of Dubai and lost to Djokovic and had and won a tournament. Uh, he had won a tournament in Europe as well. And both those players have been, you know, really on song this week. And I wasn't really, to be honest, I wasn't really expecting them to, you know get to the semi-finals we kind of looked at that part of the draw to kind of see you know we felt like this was a you know a bit of a, a wild, you know wild west in terms of who could come through it but um you know I'm really impressed I've been really impressed by them Novak Djokovic again you know he's been very solid this week without being um you know without being I wouldn't would say at his best but I think you know the only thing I can say about Djokovic on you know his podcast is you know what Kim do you make about his his celebration at the end because he's still doing his his normal <laughs> his like celebration to like the fans when there are no fans well and- all the millions of people watching at home from Serbia I mean, I guess he's doing it for them. Well, I guess so. It just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. But it's funny because like all the, I've noticed all the players kind of like tendencies, um, you know, to do things when you know crowds were there. They're still kind of carrying over those those tendencies. And yeah, you know, I saw that with. I think you saw that a little bit with Murray and his kind of like, come on and trying to like looking at the crowd. And I don't know if they're kind of like mentally like visualizing actually there are people there to kind of you know, manufacture some sort of, you know, maybe some energy from. But um, yeah, I just think it's, I think with Djokovic, it's kind of like the most obvious. And I don't know if, uh, you know, our listeners, what do you what do you make of it? Do you think it's a bit, do you think it looks a bit funny? Or do you think like, hey, if it works for him, you know, go go ahead. 
I guess a lot of these habits are so ingrained, but yeah, I think maybe it's just like the routine element. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've been doing, you know, Novak's been doing well, Raonic sits pass, and Novak's due to play Roberto Bautista Agut in the other semi final. I expect Novak to come through that, although Bautista Agut has beaten him in the past, so we shall see. You never know. Um, but and one player, Joel, that we thought would probably be doing quite well. I mean, I think you'd even picked this guy to win the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Dominic Team. Oh, <laughs> my word. Thrashed. What was I thinking? <laughs> he got thrashed to Philip Kryanovic, 6-2, 6-1. I mean, the fact that he lost maybe isn't like a may, you know, the most surprising thing ever, but it's just for me the manner in the defeat. You know, he, he really was not hitting the ball well. Um, it was a pretty awful performance by him. And, you know, after playing all those exhibition matches, uh, I think he's played 28 matches in total over lockdown. Like you would have expected him to not be the one looking rusty on the court, wouldn't you? Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, it, it, it genuinely it baffles me. It, it, it probably baffles him as well. And, and uh, you know, what he's got to do is he's got to put that, you know, put that out of his mind and, you know, get ready and get set for the, you know, the US Open because, you know, he has worked on his game on a hard court. Uh, and it, it you know, it, it's, 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 it's come along very nicely, you know, over the last few seasons. And, you know, I think, you know, he'll just want to put, you know, Cincinnati and what's happened here as, as a bit of a blip. I think what's interesting that it, it kind of does tell you is, as you said, he played 28 matches over, you know, lockdown in various exhibitions. I think he went 25 and three. You know, I think it shows you, regardless of how many exhibition matches you play, it's not going to replicate the, it's not going to replicate the, you know, the competitive nature of, you know, match play on the tour. And you just never know how you're going to, you know, react once you go on the you know step on tour for the first time some players have reacted really well like you know Ranich and, and Sispas without really doing much over lockdown whereas you know players who've kind of you know just kind of gone about their business on a tennis court have you know just completely you know fallen to pieces I mean in his own words he kind of talked about the fact that he said he never he never felt the ball you know, he was unable to kind of find the position on the return. You know, I was playing with a lot of pressure in his games and, you know, it's just, um, yeah, I think it's just one of those. He's just going to have to, he's just going to have to chalk it up and move on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe as well, like, because there's a lot of pressure, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, Roger and Rafa aren't there, like Novak's, you know, playing, but, you know, this could be the real, a real chance for team to be the one to kind of come through and win his first slam. Maybe he's feeling, you know, that kind of added pressure as well. Um, More eyes on him. Who knows? I don't know if he's burnt himself out in a a weird sort of way. Um, You know, uh, I think that might be a question if it, it happens again. I know... Um, you know, I know a lot of players would be um, probably maybe even jealous of his situation in terms of, you know, having all that match practice, but you can see actually maybe too much, maybe too much is, uh, you know, has, you know, has a negative, you know, a negative impact. But, um, you know, let's, I think let's kind of move on because, you know, he, Dominic team did not play well this week, but, you know, one player who I think was more of a mixed bag. We saw some, we saw some good, we saw some bad, uh, you know, Andy Murray, uh, you know, for British fans. I mean, wait, wait, what, what do you make of his performance? Because, you know, I think for me, he, he was a bit rusty against TFO. He came through it. Um, Zverev, he was absolutely fantastic. You know, it was almost kind of shades of vintage Murray. And then he looked all at sea, uh, personally, I felt, against Raonic. She just was not able to kind of time the ball. Now, Raonic, I think, maybe made him 
you know, not, I think maybe to kind of Ranich's credit, that was, you know, because of him. But I think we saw across those three matches, we saw some good, we saw some bad, and we definitely saw some ugly, ugly tennis in that final match. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's going to be, it's early days, but it's it's hard, isn't it, for him to like turn up day after day, um, you know, with his, his fitness and his movement to like go back to the, the old Andy and, and like maintain that over like the course of a week. I think at the US Open, obviously having that day off in between matches, um, assuming, you know, there's no like rain and stuff like that, or pause in play, you know, um, that that's going to give him more time to recuperate. But it's just, you know, it's best of five. So that's another kettle of fish to throw into it so if he's going to be playing consecutive five set matches like how is he going to hold up I think it's just all a big like learning curve and a bit of a test really you know going into the US Open to see how that's going to pan out from a British fans perspective we're not we're not expecting Andy Murray to go you know to the the US Open final we're almost kind of like taking each match as it comes and I guess kind of savoring that moment I think we're going back to kind of very much at the beginning of you know, of his career we're not really sure what we're you know expecting and you know it's kind of like looking at you know watching his matches it was interesting to see you know, particularly in the, I think in the Zverev match as well, but in the in the Raonic match as well, his serving I think was a bit inconsistent. And I know we kind of talk about you know his second serve not you know being one of his kind of weaker shots, but you know it, it felt like that was a big part of his game that you know will need kind of improvement on. You know, when we come to you know the US Open proper on Monday, and you know we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see. But as you said going up to a kind of best of five set tennis, you know, recovery is going to be, you know, the probably the biggest question. And yes, he's going to have an extra day off in between matches, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to, you know, see, you know, see how he, his body, you know, his body reacts if he gets, you know, if he, if he goes, you know, if he goes, uh, you know, uh, if he kind of if he progresses wins more through than the one match, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he so. might only be playing one match, and then it doesn't matter how he's going to hold up. Mm. But um, yes, <laughs> I mean, I think you know he's providing excitement in terms of we don't know what to expect. Um, also, Dan Evans though is our you know is arguably our you know our best hope for the US Open um, from a British perspective, and he had a good win um, you know in Cincinnati over Rublev in the first round. So that was. Um, you know that that bodes well. I was very pleased that he came through that one. Um, well, interestingly, Joel, we put something out on our Twitter, didn't we? Because Tim Henman in the Amazon Prime coverage was saying that you know, despite you know Dan Evans beating Rublev, he's you know higher ranked and number fourteen in the world. Tim Henman said he doesn't think Dan Evans would ever reach the top ten. He doesn't think he's top ten material. And we put that out to our, our followers on Twitter. And I, I think on a poll, did the vast majority of them agree with Tim Henman? Like they kind of thought that top 20 was his limit. Yeah, I think that was the the overriding answer was, I think, siding with Tim Henman. But I think there's definitely, there's definitely more. I mean, I have more belief now that I think Dan Evans could reach top 10. He's certainly, for me, top. Um, he can he will go to top 20. Um, I just think he's very consistent across, you know, the whole, like the whole season. I think you need that in order to kind of, you know, reach that, you know, reach that level. Um, do I think he has a potential to go to top 10? I think, I certainly think you do. I think there's kind of a, a crop of players between nine and 10 and 20 in the world that Google can kind of jumble about in my opinion. Yeah, so I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the realms of, you know, 
possibility maybe for like you know <laughs> a few months of the the year um i just think i think more i think more it kind of shows you just how far you know davin evans has come the fact that we're even ta- having this conversation um it just shows you how you know far he's progressed over the last few years and you know we've you know in this podcast, I feel like we've gone, Dan Evans almost become a soap, soap opera. You know, we've talked about him, you know, being suspended, even if he's going to come back to the, the tour. And, you know, the fact that he's now thriving and, you know, beating players, you know, like, you know, the caliber of Rublev, world number 14, you know, it's, it's great to see. And, you know, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll have a future episode on our kind of US Open preview, but, you know, it could be a Dan Evans, Andy Murray, uh, you know, face up in the the third round potentially, and that could be quite a yeah, you know, that could be a quite a tasty one. Mm, I would, I would very much like to see that. Um, <laughs> and we've got, I mean, we'll get onto this, you know, but we also have two Brits drawn in the first round on the women's side, don't we, in the US Open? But um, let's talk quickly about Sasha Zverev before we um, move on. Uh, interestingly, Joel, he's brought David Ferrer on to coach him. What do you make of that uh, collaboration? I think that's quite an interesting, an interesting choice. Uh, obviously, Ferrer recently retired. This would must be his first kind of coaching assignment. Yeah, I think you know with Ferrer, he's an incredibly, um, you know, he was an incredibly fierce competitor and a very hard worker on a tennis court. And I think you see, I think you see those. Um, you know, those tendencies in a player like Alex Verov. I see that, you know, he's willing to listen and, you know, make changes to his game and, you know, put in the, you know, the hard yards, you know, before kind of getting on to the tennis court. So I think it's kind of like the right fit. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's a, there's quite a lot of work to do there because, you know, watching Zverev against, you know, Andy Murray, yes, he's kind of top 10 at the moment, but there are obvious kind of, glaring I think faults kind of to his game and I think you know a lot a lot kind of starts you know with the ser- you know with the serve and you know that at times the Murray's Zverev match it was a bit kind of to and throw because they're both their serving was not you know at the peak of their powers and I know we kind of talk about you know Zverev and, and double faults and unfortunately those demons kind of did kind of appear particularly towards the end of that um, that third set between the end of the match. And no one, no one likes to, you know, no one likes to see that. But, uh, you know, that certainly is going to be, I think, you know, I think to be honest, we're almost getting to the point where we're just, it's almost kind of being entwined with Zverev's career and he needs to really kind of, you know, he really needs to kind of put it aside. But it, it's, 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 you know, it's going to be hard. And, you know, for me, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a technical thing. I don't think, there's anything wrong with his kind of service motion. I think it's now it's more of a mental thing. The fact that this has gone on for so long, how do you kind of get rid of it? And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, whether you have a, it comes out from the coach or whether you need to bring a psychologist on board. Um, you know, I, I just think that's, you know, the, probably the number one thing that, you know, that Ferrer is going to have to kind of think about in terms of sorting out because, you know, without, Without sort outsorting that out, he's always going to be susceptible to going out early, um, you know, going out early doors in in future tournaments. Yeah, definitely needs to sort the uh, consistency of his serve out. I think it's, it is a shame when it's you know it's off. It's it's really not so good. Um, and just lastly, Joel, uh, from the men's side of things, uh, outfits, our favourite subject, our, our fashion faves and faux pas. So. Um, I can't remember what Nike have called it. It's something like Capture the Court, Challenge the Court. Uh, their new clothing collection, which is a homage to kind of 
Agassi um, back in the 90s. And we've got, you know, Grigor um, wearing the outfits. I think some other players have been donning donning them as well, like Hatchinov, um, other Nike, you know, compatriots. Uh, what do you make of these designs? They're quite bold, aren't they? They're quite retro. Um, they've tried to go for like the denim, um, you know, the Agassi denim shorts, but obviously they're, they've kind of done it in, in a flexible material. Um, are, are you a fan? If our listeners haven't, you know, if, if listeners, if you haven't seen these outfits, maybe just like Google them because... <laughs> I personally, I think that I don't know. I I find the the fact that there's no fans there. I think is the best compliment for the for but these. But there's uh, lots of people watching at home. <laughs> well, yeah, true. I mean, it feels like they're just like uh, I don't know. I'm ah uh, yeah. I I think they could be. I think they're definitely outlandish. Um, but um, I don't think I'm that. Uh, I don't think I'm that great of a fan of them. If I'm being honest, I think they're a bit. Um, how do you take? Uh, like feel like they you know you you wear these sorts of outfits for exhibitions and you know when it comes to like us open or like serious tennis like you know someone like you know grig or dimitrov you know have harbor hopes of you know of course getting to you know quarterfinals semifinals or whatever you know just like are you gonna wear that and like you know the when it comes to the business end of getting to these tournaments maybe it's to distract his opponent down the other end but also we know he's quite into his fashion because the tracksuit that he wore at the australian open yeah that was very eye-catching no i guess he's his coach as well so you know i wonder if they always yeah Yeah. i don't know if that's (laughs) like agassi's kind of first uh first kind of order of business for for dimitrov was right we need to sort out your your collection and be more like me so i don't know if he's trying to channel yeah, channel agassi vibes from from the 90s but um yeah i think it's certainly interesting and i think we'll you know i'm sure we'll see more of it uh you know over the next kind of couple of weeks for the us open we'll be back sorry after a short break where we'll be looking at all the women's results including serena williams's form uh joe conta azarenka and uh yeah we'll see you in a minute Okay, we are back. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim. And as I said, we are going to move on to the women's side of the draw, Kim. Uh, we've already kind of covered off the, you know, the Osaka, you know, pause in play and the Black Lives Matters movement. So let's kind of move on to the tennis. And, you know, we are at the, the semi-final stage. We know our finalists. They're going to be Naomi Osaka and Victoria Azarenka. And um, let's, let's I think, talk about kind of Azarenka and then and then Conta because I mean this Azarenka story is fantastic isn't it like it's it's you know we you know we when we were doing our catch-up on Lexington she looked completely out of sorts in her you know first round match against you know Venus Williams and it was really kind of hard to see how she was gonna be able to kind of pick it up and, and turn it around in, in sh- such a s- short space of time, particularly when you're you're a mum on tour and, you know, it's not like you can play a match and go back on, you know, onto kind of the, you know, the, you know, the training court and, you know, for just focus on, you know, your shots or whatever, you know, you, you've got other priorities and it's just really great to see, isn't it? To see Azarenka back, back where she belongs. Yeah. It's such a contrast to Lexington. Um, you know, we were talking last week about, who to look out for in Cincinnati. It's kind of like, oh, Azarenka doesn't seem to be in very good form. Um, and yeah, she's just made it through to the final. She beat Joe Conta today. I have to say, I thought Joe was going to win that. Um, 
Mm. I thought especially after a setup yeah exactly and you know she broke back as Azarenka was serving for the second set and then obviously you know Azarenka broke her but I um yeah it was frustrating from a British perspective obviously but I mean it's great that Joe got to the semis and you know she herself had a great tournament but yeah I I can't see Azarenka beating Osaka though tomorrow I think I think Osaka's obviously I think she's channeling this energy that she's got as well from from everything that's been going on, I think I just can't see her her letting up in the final. I, f- I feel like she's she's on a mission and she's going to win this one. Um, but yeah, it might be it might be it might be three sets tomorrow in the final. Um, but yeah, I'm so pleased to have Azarenka back. I mean, I say back, but this this might just be a flash in the pan. Who knows? But um, I would love to you know see her consistently up there uh, getting to finals. I don't think she had been in a WTA Premier semi-final for like the last, you know, two years, and this really is a you know a bolt out of the blue. And uh, you know, it, to see her on court, I think you know we talked, we just kind of touched on the Conta, you know, match where you know she was a set down, and you know, in those sorts of situations, we almost kind of expect, well, the you know, we've we would have probably expected Azarenka to just kind of fold, and yeah, she gave a competitive set, but. You know, she probably would have gone and lost the, you know, the the second set like six one or six two or something. But she's really kind of got the bit between her teeth this tournament, and you know, she's just been, you know, she's just been great. And you know, she, obviously, we know she's such a, you know, competitive player and you know, really kind of power hitter from the, you know, the back of the court. And you know, her double handed backhand this week, I think, has been one of her, you know, best shots. And kind of seeing that in full flow it's just a great you know it's just a great sight to see and you know a smiling Azarenka is just great for the it's just great for tennis and the WTA tour in in general because you know she she is a name and you know we're coming to the US Open there are not as many names as you know the probably the tour would have liked to be there and you know to have a player like Azarenka kind of you know fit and firing you know I think it um you know it definitely draws art you know it definitely draws eyes and I'll be kind of keeping an eye on her and um to see how she she gets on but um let's also kind of talk about Conta as you know we are British fans and um you know she again has had a, a great week again you know writing all the all the wrongs from from Lexington no no heart palpitations um you know she lost to I think Bauschkova in in Lexington in in straight sets, but but really here, I mean, she uh, she oh she looked great. I mean, her serving this week was fantastic. I didn't I don't think she got broken all week until you know the second set in in her semi final. Um, you know, she came she she um she came through kind of I would say kind of opponents that she normally doesn't do well in handling like players like Flipkins in the you know the first round and then you know Zvonareva I know she you know qualified but we all know her pedigree on a tennis court as a Grand Slam finalist um and then yeah against Sakari who who beat Serena Williams so you know she is definitely got you know she's definitely got match play under her belt and she's looking really good particularly with uh, you know her new you know her new coaching partnership as well yeah Thomas Hogstead former coach of Sharapova um you know, often with new coaching partnerships, you do see like kind of an, an almost instant impact. Um, and I'm hoping that will continue and, and Joe's feeling good. And yeah, it definitely turned it around from Lexington, which is fantastic, especially that Sakari match. That was very impressive. Um, interestingly, I mean, something that I felt like Laura Robson doing the punditry on, on Amazon Prime, she sort of had a bit of a dig, didn't she, at Joe? Um, saying that her decision to appoint Thomas Hogstead was a bit weird. Um, 
I mean, what do you make of that? Joe then hit back saying, you know, Laura doesn't know me very well. You know, we don't really know each other very well. How how can she sort of comment? You know, uh, at the end of the day, it's you know, it's her coaching decision, isn't it? Who she wants to be coached by. I, to me, that stung a bit of sour grapes from Laura Robson. You know, I'm sure she'd much rather be out there competing and getting to the semi-finals of a premier, but she's not. And I don't know. I I didn't think that was a. I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> it's an unnecessary comment, maybe. Yeah, it was a bit of a. It was a bit of an odd jibe, wasn't it? Um, mm. You know, let's let's be really frank here. Like, we're, you know, who's going to take coaching advice from Laura Robson if we're being like really kind of, <laughs> you know, on like honest about it? Yeah. Um, I think you just got to you've got to look at the you know the results you know on the tennis court and you know you, you as you said it, there is there has been this instant impact. We've seen it in. We've seen it in, uh, um, you know, Cincinnati and, uh, you know, it's it's working. You know, it looks like it's it's working well. It's prospering. Um, I think, um, you know, another kind of comment I saw um, was from Tim Hemman, actually, around, you know, Conta's game and, you know, the, the feeling that she is still a bit of a all or nothing sort of player in terms of when she is on the court, she goes for the lines and she doesn't necessarily play kind of the percentage tennis of playing within the lines she will go for the you know she will go for kind of the winners she won't do you know the bunt back from uh you know when receiving a you know a big serve for example and I think for me that's a kind of interesting that's the kind of the interesting take I think on on Conta's game at the moment is whether I think she can evolve it so that she doesn't she can recognize she doesn't have to be you know, all or nothing all the time, because I think you saw that this week. And, you know, when it comes off, it's great because, you know, she was, you know, she was absolutely flying through. But I think maybe perhaps when it's not coming off, she's going to need to be able to potentially develop, you know, I think as kind of Tim kind of pointed out is, is kind of a bit more kind of percentage and playing, you know, within the court a bit, a bit more. Um, and, you know, watching the kind of counter match against Hazarenka, she was playing up with kind of the angles a bit more. And I quite liked that. And you know, she's obviously got the capability. Um, so I wonder if she can kind of bring that into her into her game potentially a bit more and, and whether kind of Thomas Hochstedt is the, is the guy to do that. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> um, let's, before we finish up today, Joel, uh, talk about Serena Williams, because... She kind of had a similar, similar week to to last week. A lot of three set matches. Um, she just squeaked past Arantxa Ross uh, on you know earlier on in, in the in her first match of uh, Cincinnati. So that was a third set tiebreak job again. Um, and then yeah, faced Maria Sakari, uh, and uh, she was up. She could have won perhaps but she she seems to just have real issues in in perhaps trying to close a match out in two sets you know sort of up in the second set and then wobbles and sakari came through and and won it so i just she seems to have demons going on something going on in her head that's like preventing her from just kind of nailing these matches and closing closing matches off yeah because i mean all of her matches have all been like had problems or like have been problematic she's not really had any sort of easy you know straight sets matches against players who are you know quite low ranked or you know players you'd expect kind of a Serena Williams to just kind of almost kind of bat away with a you know a two and one scoreline you know 60 70 minutes and into the next round but we've not really seen that here in Cincinnati New York we didn't really see it you know last week in 
Um, sorry, we didn't really see in her last event in, in Lexington either. And yeah, she's got she's got this issue, hasn't she, with kind of closing out matches because she's getting into the she's getting into the right positions, but she's not she's not closing it out and she's not playing you know, I think to her own admissions, she's not playing the big points well enough at the moment and, and her opponents are. And she gave us a really kind of odd analogy or weird analogy if if you know if, if I was Laura Robson. Um she kind of talked about it as like I put myself in a bad situation. It's like dating a guy that you know sucks. That's literally what I keep doing out here. It's like I have to get rid of this guy. It just makes no sense. It's frustrating. So People shouldn't be dating guys that suck. <laughs> I mean, if you know they suck, why date them? <laughs> um, that is a very interesting analogy. I think Serena could maybe write a guide to dating or I don't know. I'm not <laughs> sure what is going on with that. Oh, yeah, it's just it's very frustrating. She seems to be stuck in this sort of weird headspace. Um and it'll be interesting if she can break out of that for the, you know, for next week. Uh, we will we will wait and see with with bated breath. I mean, just talking about her and the US Open because I feel like you know in the media, kind of in the general media anyway, we always kind of talk about US Open Serena Williams as a as a favorite. I mean, I mean, rightly so. I mean, she's got to the the final a couple of times. You know, most recently, obviously against um, you know Osaka, um, Andre Andrescu as well. Is she the is she the favorite? Because I think you know based on. Based on what we've seen so far, based on what we've seen so far, um, you know, I, I, I think if you're in the kind of the tennis world, I don't really kind of see, I don't really kind of see her as a kind of the standout favorite, like, you know, Novak Djokovic is, and then Daniel Medvedev, and then a chasing pack. It still feels very much like, well, I don't actually think there is a number one sort of favorite. I think there's just a, there's, there's just a big chasing pack, isn't there? Yeah, I before all this kind of kicked off, I was thinking, yeah, Serena maybe, but now I'm just after seeing her performances, I just think, oh, she's gonna, someone is gonna beat her at Flushing Meadows. I really, I just don't think she is. I think she's just, she's not there. She's not, she's not gonna do it. I mean, I, I'd like her. You know, I want her to to break the Slam record. I don't want Margaret Court to have the last you know, word, but uh, yeah, favourite Serena. I'm not sure they're going to go in the same sentence for a while, but we will see. Quick note on the doubles, Joel, before we finish. Brits are doing well. Jamie and Neil and Joe Salisbury are all playing today against each other in the semi-finals. So we'll have uh, a Brit in the final uh, between either of those uh over either of those guys so either jamie and nil or joe salisbury and rajiv ram rajiv ram is basically british now right i mean he's been with joe for a while <laughs> adopted, i'm just gonna say british that he's citizen. like yeah. basically british um <laughs> and yeah so that's good good that they're doing well going into next week and yeah i mean we'll be back won't we very soon joel with a, a, a preview of the us open and excitingly as well, we have decided to begin our collector set predictions challenge again. So listeners, uh, you might have seen on our Twitter, but we've got um, the 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 six names that we're going to kind of use as our kind of guessing uh, our guesses for this year's uh, edition. So, Joel, would you like to give our listeners the the six names? We we want you to basically tell us what round you think these guys are going to reach in the US Open. Yes. Yes. So the six players are Andy Murray, 
Milos Raonic, Daniel Medvedev, Victoria Azarenka, Ons Yabor, and Serena Williams. So those six players, we are, we will do this as well. We want you to tell us what round, or maybe you think they're going to win the competition, what round uh, you think they're going to get to based on the US Open draw um, that, that's just been announced. And myself and Kim, we will be announcing our, uh, our predictions in our US Open draw preview episode, which we're going to aim to put out on Saturday afternoon UK time. Um, but um, yeah, those are our kind of six players. We've got a mix there, haven't we, Kim, of, of players of, I mean, they could go out in the first round, they could go with the <laughs> tournament. Um, we've got um, Ons Jabor there, who, you know, we haven't really mentioned, but again, is very, uh, is one kind of tough competitor that you feel like could break any, you know, is could go could go really far. Um, she had a good run, uh, came to an end against Azarenka. They had a fantastic, may I say, they had a fantastic first set of tennis. Um, I think if actually, if any of our listeners haven't watched any of Cincinnati this week and they have to watch one set of tennis, I would watch the Azarenka Yabor first set, particularly that tie break. It was absolutely fantastic. But um, I mean, yeah, those are our six players. Let us know Murray, Ranich, Medvedev, Azarenka, Yabor, and Serena Williams. Exactly. And uh, I mean, our, our guesses are normally horrendous. So I'm sure uh, one of our listeners will definitely do much better. And there is a special prize for the winner as well. So do join in. It's a bit of fun. And we all need some of that in our lives. So uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon with this open preview. Um, you can we- win a passing shot mug. Just reveal the prize, Joel. That's supposed to be a secret. But anyway, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Oh, well, we'll throw something surprising in the mug. There we go. Uh, But yes, we'll be back uh, to preview all things US Open tomorrow. Um, And we will also just quickly touch base on the winners of Cincy uh, tomorrow as well. Um, But yes, you can subscribe to us uh, on all the main uh, podcasting platforms we're on we're on all of them aren't we Joel we're on Apple Podcasts Spotify Overcast Castbox Stitcher the list goes on and on um, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts uh, we would love it if you could leave us a rating it really helps other tennis fans kind of know about us and and share in the like tennis community uh, tell your friends get them involved we would just love to have as many people on board as possible yes and with the US Open coming up we are going to be all systems go at the passing shot on the podcast as well as on social media as well so make sure to follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at passing shot pod and if you've got any burning questions uh, for the show you can email us as well passing pod at gmail.com but uh yes as kim said we will be back uh on saturday saturday afternoon uk time for our us open draw preview so stick around uh for that um we will be doing our famous uh round by round coverage uh of the us open so we will be upping the frequency uh throughout the week uh to keep you guys uh updated up to date on all the kind of tennis goings on uh from the the passing shot so uh make sure and you subscribe and, and look out for those episodes but um yeah uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go watch um the uh the rest of the tennis for today so um i hope you enjoyed listeners listening to this episode and we'll hope to see you again soon really hope 
that creepy baby face is not going to be on the back of the court next week, Joel. What do you think? Are they going to change that? <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it felt like it was just like on the players' backs all the time. And yeah, it did give me, it did give me nightmares during this week. I don't know about our listeners, but yeah, I, I'm now scared of, of any sort of baby. It didn't bring out face. the paternal instinct in you. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> 